There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone and electricity lines. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. New Year's resolutions. By now, many of us have given up on ours, if we even made them to begin with. Some resolutions can help to better a person, while others can be more destructive. On March 16, 1954, a truly devious man was born. A man who would take a group of people and their sexual preferences and exploit them to fulfill his New Year's resolution. To kill a human being. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Colin Ireland, born March 16, 1954, suffered from a severely dysfunctional upbringing. He was born in Dartford, Kent, to unmarried teen parents, something relatively unheard of in the time period. Shortly after he was born, his father left and his 17-year-old mother was left to raise him on her own. In the 60s, Colin was propositioned on numerous occasions and spied on by older men who found him sexually attractive. As early as 16 years old, Colin began committing various crimes such as theft and arson. He was sent to a juvenile facility on multiple occasions, and then, when he got older, to prison. He used theft and robbery as a way to make ends meet, as well as working manual jobs when he could find them. After one stint in prison in 1976, he moved to Swindon, Wiltshire, where, after just a year, he was sentenced to 18 months in prison for extortion. He continued his pattern of spending time in and out of prison before, in 1982, marrying a woman named Virginia Zamet and moving to London with her and her daughter. He went back to prison in 1985, and the couple's marriage failed in 1987. He married again in 1989, but was immediately violent towards her. They separated in the early 1990s. It was after this last separation that he began visiting a popular gay pub in Earl's Court, London. Maybe he had discovered something about himself over the years. Maybe he was ready to live life as his true self. Unfortunately, all of this was correct. But his true self was one who would later be dubbed the Gay Slayer. Beginning in 1993, when he was just 39 years old, Colin Ireland trolled the gay pubs looking for a passive sexual partner. Why? Because these men would not question being tied up during sexual play, something Colin took full advantage of. According to later reports, Colin made a New Year's resolution when the clock struck midnight and 1993 approached to take a human life. He spent years committing minor offenses, all the while researching and studying any source material he could find on serial killers. He was ready to add his name to these lists. He began with Peter Walker, a 45-year-old choreographer who preferred a sadomasochistic sexual relationship. The pair went back to Peter's apartment, where Colin bound him in what Peter believed was the beginning of their sexual encounter. Instead, he was suffocated with a plastic bag, two teddy bears arranged in the 69 position left on his body. He locked Peter's dogs in another room, and the next day, after hearing nothing about the body being found, called local news sources and advised them of the dogs and the murder of their owner. Next to fall victim to Colin's resolution, just two months later, was a man named Christopher Dunn. 
The 37-year-old librarian was found naked in a body harness. His hands were handcuffed and feet were bound. At first, police assumed this man died from an erotic game gone wrong, and it wasn't connected to the death of Peter Walker. It was later reported that, just after his death, Colin beat Christopher in order to get his PIN number and bank card so he could extract money to reimburse himself for the expenses he was incurring during his murder. He was unemployed, after all. He did the same to 35-year-old Perry Bradley III, son of a U.S. congressman. The two men, who met at the pub, returned to Perry's apartment. When Colin tried to tie Perry up, he resisted. But Colin said he could not perform sexually without bondage, so the reluctant man agreed. He was tied up, face down, with a noose around his neck. Once Colin had his pin number, he told the still-bound Perry to go to sleep and that he would return in a few hours. He did as instructed, and Colin strangled the man with the noose and left a doll in a suggestive pose on top of his body. At this point, police still had not connected the three murders, leaving Colin Ireland angry with his lack of fame and free to take another victim. Three days later, he killed 33-year-old Andrew Collier. But with this murder, Colin made a fatal mistake. Just before he bound Andrew, there was some commotion outside of the man's apartment window. They both looked out to see what the noise was, and Colin gripped a metal bar, leaving fingerprints. Something, due to his extensive research, he was careful not to do. Andrew was tied up like the victims before him. After he was dead, Colin killed the man's cat, put a condom on Andrew's penis, and put the dead cat's mouth over it and his tail in Andrew's mouth. He then phoned the police and asked why none of his murders were being connected. His final victim was a Maltese chef, Emmanuel Spiteri. Colin did his now signature bondage and demanding of the victim's pin number before strangling Emmanuel with a noose. He then took it one step further and lit the man's apartment on fire before leaving. He called police once more and told them to look for the body. By this time, the citizens of London, especially those in the gay community, were scared and angry. The police department was being accused of homophobia and men were afraid to go out at night. Police began handing out flyers at gay pride festivals and pleading with the community for any information leading to the killer's capture. Then they got a break. There was footage of Emmanuel and an unknown man on the train, the man who was more than likely his killer. Police issued a description to the public on July 2nd, 1993. On July 19th, Colin went to his solicitor and said he was the man in the footage but he was not the killer. He claimed he went home with Emmanuel, but left him in his apartment with another man. However, his fingerprints were matched to those he accidentally left on the window bars, and the gay slayer was finally caught. Colin Ireland was charged with two of the five murders, and while waiting for trial, he confessed to the other three. He claimed he had no vendetta against gay men, He simply picked them because they were easy targets in his opinion. During his trial held on December 20th, 1992, Colin admitted to all of his charges and was given five life sentences. And by 2006, he was given a whole life tariff. On February 21st, 2012, 
Colin Ireland died of pulmonary fibrosis after he fractured his hip. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.